Today with Sarah McInerney. Listen back on the RTE Radio Player app. Well, it's time now for our Friday gathering where we take a look back at the big stories of the week. And I'm joined by Fianna Fáil TD for Kildare North, James Lawless, Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Fingal and party spokesperson on enterprise, trade and employment and workers' rights, Louise O'Reilly. I'm also joined by political journalist Lise Hand and Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at Independent News and Media. And thank you all very much for joining us this morning. Um, we're going to get on to a bit of politics in a second, but Lise, just briefly, um, th- that interview there with Ellen, um, you know, it is such a good news story the whole country reacted what did you make of it oh it's just so uplifting and never did we need something that had such a great ending to it like we do now and uh, listening you know to the story unfold and i was just saying this to to the the two others earlier on you know in all my long years as a grizzled veteran journalist you know having sent out as a sort of a news reporter to cover stories like this unfolding stories i don't think i've ever covered a story that's had a happy ending. I think, you know, and I, I think this underlines the sheer miraculousness of the of the whole story, the extraordinariness. Of it. I, there wouldn't be a person in Ireland whose heart didn't sink when they heard there were two missing girls. Mm. And everybody prayed for a happy ending. But, mm. you know, we've been here so many times, you know, families on the, on the seashore looking out to sea and it, it doesn't end well. So I think it's just, everybody has a spring in their step going into the weekend, I think. All right. Um, well, we'll, li- we'll leave it there because we, um, we've had to cut the gathering a little short. Um, so I do want to get to some of the issues that uh, we want to talk about because I know you would all let go, <laughs> my other guests, what Lise has to say about that, which is that it was uh, a, a happy ending and, and we're all happy about that. Um, I want to turn to COVID-19. Unfortunately, I want to return to COVID-19 because that is the reality and certainly not the happy ending that we're living in at the moment. And uh, James Lawless, the regional lockdown in your county and two other counties is continuing. Um, what's your thoughts on it at this point? Because a lot of talk and discussion about whether or not it had to be done the way it was done or was it too blunt an instrument? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm in the middle of lockdown myself. Um, I, I fled the county this morning to come up here to RTE and, uh, you know, like every other of the 400,000 residents across the three counties were pretty much under county under county orders um, and of course lots of businesses have had to close and that's been very very hard on the small business in particular um, there is a business support package uh, being announced probably in the next hour um, I was speaking to Minister Michael McGrath this morning on that um, and that's being put in place I suppose to try to address some of those immediate needs of some of the businesses that you know things like perishable stocks that were lost last weekend um, you know and, the, and the, I suppose a hit to confidence so we need to reboost the tourism sector in those counties again I suppose what I would say as a, as a learning, um, and I articulated this again at the COVID committee yesterday, and I've been saying it to, to Cabinet um, throughout, this is the first time there's been a localised lockdown since COVID has hit us. Um, and I would say I'm not convinced the county model works. Um, I think it's a blunt instrument. I think if you take it as a county Kildare, it spans from Leakship, the Salmon Leap Bridge uh, on the verge of Dublin, uh, right down to Casadermont and Carlow, right across to the Offaly border. Um, so I would say, look, I get why they, why they did it. Uh, public health is paramount. I think we are seeing, as we saw through the pandemic, a little bit of conflict between public health health uh, and public health guidance uh, and then the, I suppose the business and reality and the economy and even to keep both uh, in tandem. So I suppose look, the business support package is something I call for. It's being, uh, being announced today and um, that will be some support to those businesses. Public health certainly it has to be paramount as well. Mm. Um, there would be a view in the three counties that are certainly in my county in Kildare and I imagine it's shared elsewhere that the outbreak was uh, was concentrated on the meat plants yeah. and perhaps uh, further scrutiny or zooming in on those may, may have been helpful uh, and I think is needed and actually I suppose has happened but I would say that well, it hasn't it has happened though I, w- I want to look at the meat plants because obviously as you say um, James it did a lot of focus on those and a lot of focus on the meat plants at the COVID-19 committee as well yesterday Louise um, 
Um, do you think enough is being done to tackle what is going on there? Can we be assured that this isn't going to happen again? No, I don't think enough has been done. Um, that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of uh, the Irish Congress of Trade Unions representing 800,000 workers as articulated by Patricia King at the committee yesterday and by Greg Ennis uh, from SIP2 who represents directly uh, workers in the in the meat industry. Uh, what they're saying is uh, that the many workers felt compelled to go to work um, while they were awaiting test results and that the workers are waiting five days on their test results. So that's not, you know, when we see that the figures are coming down, but what's artificial about that is the fact that it's, they're mixed in with healthcare workers who are tested on site and the turnaround is rapid. So we do need 24 hour turnaround time for testing. And we also need to ensure that these workers can access sick pay when they cannot go to work for whatever reason, because these are very low paid workers. This is an industry that has traditionally, I think, enjoyed very um, special and preferential treatment, um, which I don't think is, is, is right. And it's an industry where we know that for decades uh, the, the working conditions have been appalling and I think that does need to be addressed and the other thing we need to do and, and, and James and I have spoken about this uh, previously both at the committee and, uh, and and you know on other occasions we need to ensure that where an employee contracts COVID-19 in the course of their work that that is recognised as a workplace injury so I've raised this with the Tonish to directly I raised it with Heather Humphreys I know Patricia King from Congress has raised it as well there doesn't seem to be an appetite on the part of government to do it uh, Patricia King said yesterday she believed that uh, that some of the hesitation was coming from the Health and Safety Authority. I think that should be done. I think it should be done immediately. And uh, as what difference uh, would that make? Well, what it means is that it is categorised as a workplace injury. So therefore, you can automatically have the HSA on site. You can ensure that it is reported and notified directly to the HSA and they will intervene. So it, it classifies it as a workplace injury and it's treated as a workplace injury, which I think is extremely important. I don't understand the hesitancy on the part of the government, but I have a piece of legislation okay. that I've published that I will move if they don't move to change the regulations. Okay, I want to bring in Kevin, but very briefly, James. So just to come back into that, you know, I, actually, I think this is badly needed. And actually, I think I was worth putting on record and I... I put this on record at the committee yesterday. This was actually in legislation from 2005. We're all calling for this to be inserted now into the regulations, but it was already there. It was passed, the Fianna Fáil government in 2005 put it in place as a primary legislation and it was taken out in 2016 by regulation. Now, I would actually question that process legally, but I think for 11 years this was on the statute books. You know, what was you want so to see it put back in? Absolutely. All right. Um, Kevin is also on the line, Kevin Doyle from The Independent. And Kevin, we did hear uh, just earlier this morning that actually one of the four Midland meat processing plants that has been hit by COVID-19 outbreaks, that's going to reopen on a phased basis. Uh, Carol Cuisine says its facility in Tullamore and County Offaly has been officially approved for reopening after all remaining staff had tested negative for the disease. Um, and on that issue of testing specifically, Kevin, um, as Louise is saying, that's one of the things that has arisen, hasn't it, from these outbreaks, questions over our capacity to test and test quickly. Yeah, I think, so because we, we had ramped it up to such, uh, obviously at the very start of the crisis, uh, the, the testing regime, it didn't exist. It was a bit all over the place. Uh, we had people waiting up to two weeks. They had kind of come out of quarantine before they even got their test results in some cases. And obviously that had improved hugely. And now you are looking at situations where we saw a crash where people were waiting several days for tests, children waiting several days for tests. We know that they obviously they have gone in now and done blanket tests at these meat factories. But I think there is a question about how uh, we got the testing up to such a level and then seem to allow it kind of um, fall off again um, and, and to, to kind of get into that situation where we are left waiting um, 24, well, more, well, 24 would be ideal, but waiting a day, two days, three days um, for people to get their tests back. And I think that added to the frustration perhaps um, around 
around some of these plants. I mean, Carl Cuisine, which is is just put that statement you mentioned out in the last hour, um, they have they say they have only nine out of more than five hundred employees actually have coronavirus uh, or had been had been diagnosed with it. But obviously, it has taken until now for for the all clear. Um, from the HSE and the HSA for them to reopen. And there's a real conflict there because um, Carol Cuisine, uh, be, being from Offaly, are, are a very popular company. They have sponsored mm. the, the GAA teams uh, for decades now, even back in, in the good days, and they've stuck with Offaly in what are now the bad days. Um, so I think people would be very sad uh, to see them hit in that way. Um, but at the same time, the idea that the whole county got shut down because of something that was happening in Tullamore, it was quite a, a crude instrument, I think, the, the county-wide lockdown. Um, because, for example, where, where I'm from in Forban, it's 15 minutes to Atlone where you can get your Duns and your Tesco's and your, your supermarkets where people would do their shopping. It's half an hour to Tullamore. But you were allowed to go to Tullamore where the uh, problem originated to do your shopping, but you couldn't go to Atlone because that's in County Westmead. So I think we need a lot of learnings on the back of the, the first county lockdowns. And I think they probably need to be more specific uh, next time around. Yeah, because I think there will be a next time around, Lee. Do you think the government will take the same approach again? Well, I think you, you, we're, we're dealing with, with, I suppose, an evolving learning, um, you know, the original lockdown was just a blunt instrument. Everything got shut down. And in a way that made it simplified the government decisions. Now, as Kevin very, very uh, clearly laid out, you do have this problem where the, the geographic spread, you know, causes problems because you could be 15 minutes away from a red light, you know, somewhere with a red light and, you know, 20 minutes away from somewhere with that, that's, you know, that has been, has been deemed safe. And I think as time goes on, they will have to hone the whole lockdown thing. Um, it, it'll be a mixture of, as Louise said, moving much more quickly to, with test and trace to put in places where people are, you know, they can they can figure out if a cluster is going to be a problem or if it's isolated. Plus also maybe identifying in smaller areas that can go into maybe sort of smaller lockdowns until they see is it a wider problem. I, You know, it's an evolving instrument that I think, particularly over, over the winter when it's going to get mixed in with the forthcoming flu season and there'll be a lot more uncertainty and the need to move swiftly to identify whether it's flu or COVID is going to be greater. And again, you know, rowing into another, I suppose, another area as well, you know, the government are going to have to really start now prepping for the winter and, you know, making sure there's enough flu vaccines for everybody, roll out a campaign to get make sure there's a great take-up of the flu vaccine. Because, you know, I think it's going to be really important to separate, to put a line between the flu season and, and COVID as well. Because if the two of those sort of co-mingle, um, it, you know, every, everything's going to get overwhelmed, the school system, the health system, everything. So that's the sort of, the, that's the sort of campaigns the government need, really need to be coming out of the blocks with straight away. OK, well, one of the things that uh, Leo Varadkar, the thought that came out of the blocks on this week was uh, a tweet, uh, James Lawless, about, how he believes Sinn Féin uh, does not welcome uh, or has no place for uh, white middle class men. This is based on a debate in the Shannad between uh, Senator Barry Ward and Senator Lynn Boylan. Uh, What did you make of the tweet? He has had a huge reaction to it and it must be said most of it not positive. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the tweet meant. Uh, I think I know what it was supposed to mean, but it was a bit either cryptic uh, or perhaps not so cryptic. Um, I think perhaps it was unhelpful um, and perhaps uh, there's a time to comment and there's a time to do uh, act on 
and on verba, as they say in Latin. Um, I think Barry Ward's initial critique was excellent. I think Senator Barry Ward gave a fantastic speech. I think the issue on the day in the Senate uh, debate was that there, I think uh, Lynn Boylan was suggesting that Barry couldn't possibly understand what it's like to be an ethnic minority or to be downtrodden, etc. And Barry, quite correctly, and I know Barry's a colleague on many fronts, uh, turned around and said, actually, I've been representing people professionally in very dire situations for 20 years, and I've seen Barry in action, and I'm a better man to, to punch for, for people who were getting the wrong end of the, the whip. So I think Barry did a very good job himself yeah. of defending it, articulating that position. And I think it is true to say... So 10 know, days later, the Taoiseach I, tweets I about it and says Sinn Féin I, has no place for white middle-class yes. men. Do you, do you think he should have done that? Was that the right thing to do? Uh, Sorry, not the Taoiseach, the Taoiseach. The Taoiseach, yeah, probably not, actually. Probably would be helpful if he refrained commenting on other matters also. Um, I think that we have to realise we, we, uh, we have a new government, a new arrangement. Um, there is a new Taoiseach, um, there is a new government in place. Um, and perhaps if everybody can find themselves to their own departments, it would be helpful for everybody. Who are you talking about there? Simon Harris also tweeting in, in the last I week about health matters. I did see the Minister for Higher Education talking about health quite a lot. I get that he's a record in that area. He was Minister for Health up to a point. Um, as long as I've been in party politics, uh, there's delegate responsibility. I don't typically comment um, on areas outside of my remit. I, as a backbencher, I suppose, of, of a wider remit now. But I think everybody has a job to do. Everybody's doing the, trying their best to do it. I think if everybody keeps their head down on their own area, uh, rather than sniping or looking across the, the fence at others, uh, I think that would be more helpful. Okay, so would you like to see Leo Varadkar put the phone down, step away from Twitter for a while? <laughs> we heard that said about Donald Trump before. Is that a yes? Um, look, I, th- I think the most important thing on the Tonish's agenda right now has to be the business support package for Kildare, Leach and Offaly. Right. Uh, and Minister McGrath has assured me that's in progress Louise, this morning. Louise, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I wasn't going to compare uh, Leo Varadkar to Trump, but James has just done it for me. Uh, I think there was a bit of a dog whistle about it. Uh, I'd say he probably regrets it now, given that the responses were overwhelmingly negative. Um, I think this kind of <clears throat> attack-style Trumpian politics um, and government by Twitter uh, from the Cote shock, as I think people are calling him now. Uh, I think it's a little bit demeaning of the office of Tarnished. Well, your if your I'm colleague honest. David Cullinan had his own pop at Leo Varadkar, didn't he, about wearing shoes? Uh, he, but he, the point that David was making, uh, and I think it was a valid one, is you know when the entire country is facing the reopening of the economy, and we all have a lot on our mind. It does seem that there is an overemphasis on yeah. spin, on he photo did opportunities, the tweet though, um, because it was attracting uh, the commentary that was unhelpful, and that wasn't the intention. What David was trying to do was point out the fact that the the minister is, as we know, very very fond of his photo opportunities. Okay. I'm and, out of time. Uh, this was 30, just another occasion where he should have. Had yeah, other well, things I, I just think that the Taoiseach, not so much Donald Trump, as the, was channeling the his inner Alan Partridge. I mean, I think it showed absolute and utter lack of of awareness. But I also think the the back and forth this week on Twitter <clears throat> between David Cullinan and his intervention and Lee Radker and his there's, there's a real needle between Fine, Fine Gael and, and Sinn Féin and I think they are the two biggest parties this is going to happen and it's going to keep happening Alright, thank you all so much for joining me I'm sorry James I'm out of time we'll take a break Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1